Now, you know the Holy Ghost is in earnest of what's coming. The, the peace that you feel here today, the presence of the Lord you feel, that's just an earnest. That's a taste of what is coming. That's what the Bible says. And so think of the most powerful experience you've ever had with God and how it moved you, how it touched you, what it did for you, and think that's only a tiny scintilla of what it will be like in heaven. It's only a foretaste. Amen? All right, I'm going to read out of 1 Thessalonians 4, and I'm going to talk to you today on this subject. Where have they gone? Where have they gone? And I'm going to explain the title in just a minute, but look at 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13. Paul says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, how many of you believe that? If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. The same way Jesus died and rose again, when you die, you will rise again. That's what he's telling us. Father, thank you for your word today. And we pray that you will bless it and anoint it and comfort us with the scriptures. Give us your peace. Enlarge our understanding of heaven and how we get there. Lord, thank you for the revelation of the word of God. And as always, I pray for those who are here today or watching by video or listening by radio later who might not know you, who might not yet have that reservation for heaven, that you will speak to them and draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, this is going to be a heavenly message. <laughs> amen. Now, this series is about heaven. And last time we saw, regarding heaven, that heaven is a place. Heaven is a real place. Heaven is not an idea. It's not a concept. It's not a myth. It's not a fable. It's not a metaphor. It is real. Jesus said, I go to prepare a real place for you. So heaven is real. As the book said, heaven is for real. It's real. Now, we saw also that heaven is up. You never in the Bible do you hear or read of somebody saying, or, or, or of it saying of somebody, uh, they looked down and prayed, and prayed towards heaven. Never. You never pray towards heaven looking down. You always pray looking up because heaven is up. And you also have a reservation, or not, for heaven. Peter said, God has reserved. Can you say reserved? So that means reservation. we got a reservation. He has reserved for the children, or for his children, the priceless gift of eternal life. It is kept in heaven for you. So there is a reservation in heaven for those who have put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And i got to tell you, can I just be real straight and narrow today? Only for those who have put their faith in Christ is there a reservation in heaven. Jesus said, he that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. It said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him, whoever believes on him, are the ones who will not perish, but have everlasting life. So it is a very narrow proposition that Jesus made. Jesus was more one way than most people today. He said, I am the way. 
and I am the truth, and I am the life. And then he went on to say, no man gets to the Father but through me. You can't be any more clear than that. So the way to heaven is Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed for us. Now, this time I want to answer a question. And I hear this question a lot. I have presided as a pastor over very many funerals, many, many funerals through the years. And I I hear the same questions almost every time. Questions like this. um, Where have my loved ones gone? That's why I call this today, where have they gone? Where are they? Are they with Jesus right now? Are they in his arms? Are they walking around those golden streets? Are they in some intermediary place like purgatory or some in-between place or some kind of soul sleep until Jesus returns? Where are they? What are they doing? I want to know. And then they ask, if they're with him, then how are their bodies in the grave? How can they be with him and their bodies be in the grave at the same time? Explain it to me. So that's what I'm going to do today. I want to explain that. Because if we don't understand heaven, how in the world are we going to preach heaven or talk about heaven to a lost and dying world who desperately need the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and heaven? Amen? Now, let me make, let me just answer the question and make it real clear. The Bible teaches two things happen at the moment of death. And I want you to say them with me. At the moment you die, two things happen. Say with me, the soul goes up. And the body stays down. The soul goes up and the body stays down. Paul wrote these words. He said, we are not afraid but are quite content to die. Wow, what a statement. We're not afraid to die. We're content to die. For then we will be at home with the Lord. He said being with the Lord is so much more... uh, um, Worthy and so much more of so much more value than sticking around here. So I'm content to die if that means I'm going to be with the Lord. Now the King James puts it more succinctly. It says, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Can we say that together? Absent from the body, present with the Lord. The moment my body dies, I am immediately present with the Lord. Immediately. So at the moment of bodily death, the soul immediately goes into the presence of the Lord, while the body stays on the earth awaiting the future resurrection. Now, I brought something with me here today, and I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again, and I'm going to go a little bit deeper into this than I have in the past. But this is a glove. You can see it. It's a glove. Um, And I'm putting it on my hand. I'm saying these things for the sake of radio. I'm, I'm putting the glove on my hand. Now... The glove represents the body. My hand represents my soul. Now, here's what the Bible teaches. Your body is a container for your soul. And as long as my hand, the soul, is in the glove, the body, the glove is animated. The body moves. It has life. The only reason my hand is moving right now with a glove on it The glove is moving because my hand is in it. The hand makes the glove animated. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Okay? Now, so here you have the glove for the body, my hand for the soul. Now, the Bible says, as soon as my body, the glove, dies, my soul goes immediately up 
into the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah, glory to God. Hallelujah, glory to God. I'm going to heaven. Hi, Jesus. Right? All right. So, no hand and glove. There is nothing but a limp glove because it has no life, because it is the soul that animates the body. You're looking at me, and you're smiling at me, and you're present today only because your soul is still in your body. But when your body dies, your soul departs, and it goes immediately into the presence of the Lord. Now, you might be surprised to learn that the Bible often uses the word asleep or sleep to describe a saint's death rather than the words die or death. Not always, but a lot of time, the Bible replaces the word die or death with sleep or asleep. Now, why? I'm going to tell you why, and then I'm going to read some verses to you. The Bible says that certain people, when referring to certain saints who died, that they fell asleep because when something is asleep, we assume it's one day going to wake up again. If something is dead, it's just dead. It's gone. It's dead. But if something is asleep, we know that though it's asleep, it will one day wake up. The way the Bible, and hence God, sees a dead saint is, yes, their body is dead, but I'm going to say that it's asleep because I know that one day I'm going to raise them from the dead and it's going to wake up again. Come on, everybody. I, I want you to understand that we are all going to be recipients of a resurrection. If you die before Jesus returns and your body goes into a grave, and that's what we do. We take the glove, we take the body, and we put it into a grave. And it doesn't matter if it's there 10 years or 100 years or 1,000 years and turns to nothing but dust. The day is going to come when the trumpet blows and Jesus shouts and calls you up out of the grave and your body is going to be resurrected. That's called the blessed hope. The blessed hope is not only that we have been saved, but that one day our bodies are going to be resurrected just like his body was resurrected. And so when the Bible talks about a saint dying, it says they're asleep. Listen to Paul's words again. He said, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are what, everybody? Say it good and loud. I want everybody saying it. Say it. Asleep. Now, he's talking about people who have died, but he calls them asleep. So that you will not grieve as do the rest of those who have no hope. I don't want you grieving over those who have died, your loved ones, because I'm telling you, in God's eyes, they're only asleep. They're going to wake up again when the resurrection and the life, who is Jesus Christ, calls them up out of the grave. They're not there forever. This is only a temporary goodbye. That's what Paul is telling us here. So that you don't grieve as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have what, everybody? Fallen asleep in Jesus. They're asleep because they're getting up again. Now, notice Paul used the word asleep to describe people who have died in Christ. And we find in Scripture that when Jesus rose from the dead, when Jesus rose from the dead, an amazing thing happened in Jerusalem that a lot of people read and just go right past it. But when Jesus rose from the dead, the Bible tells us that many Old Testament saints who had died in faith also rose from the dead following Jesus' resurrection. 
Listen to what it says. Matthew 27. And the graves were opened. Wow. Stop right there. The graves were opened. I, I don't know for sure, but I'm going to venture to say Isaiah's grave opened. Jeremiah's grave opened. David's grave opened. Old Testament saints who had died in faith that Jesus was going to come and die for our sins and rise from the dead, which is what they had all prophesied. And they died in faith, believing that, that when Jesus rose from the dead, it says their graves were open and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. Can you imagine if you've been one of these first century people in Jesus day walking around and all of a sudden down the street comes Isaiah? Who died centuries before. And hey, there's weeping Jeremiah. And hey, David, how you doing? Can you imagine? Now, now folks, I want you to get this. This is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. I'm not using a metaphor here. It says literally these people's graves opened up. And they came out. And they were resurrected from the dead. Oh, I think this is going to get you by the end of the service. See, we need to understand that one of the the, the crux and the core of Christianity is the promise of resurrection. If we're not going to be resurrected, let's all go home and watch reruns of Andy Griffith because it's over with. Why have church? But I'm here to tell you, when you get saved, not only did you get eternal life, but the day is going to come when the trumpet blows and your body that has died and gone to sleep is going to be raised from the dead, resurrected, and you're going to get a brand new body. Let me show you a little bit more. Jesus uses the very same verbiage. It says, one day a man named Jairus came to him and said, Jesus, my little girl, has died. But if you will just come and lay your hand on her, she will live. What faith he had. He understood that Jesus was the resurrection and the life. You know, Jesus was the actual, ultimate funeral crasher. Jesus couldn't preach a good funeral because he always raised him from the dead. Amen? He always did. You got Jesus close to dead bodies, they ended up getting up. And I'm going to tell you, one day you're going to get up too. He's going to raise you from the dead. And Jesus followed Jairus home and found a house full of wailing people. And here's what he said. Make room for the girl is not dead, but what everybody? Sleeping. Even Jesus used that word. But this girl was dead. Her face was blue. Her heart had stopped. There was no blood circulating through her veins. She was dead. But Jesus said she was sleeping. Why? Because Jesus understood she's about to wake up again. I'm about to raise her from the dead. And so the Bible says that the crowd, when Jesus said, she's not dead, she's just sleeping, they laughed him to scorn. And Jesus put them all out of the room. He said, get out of here. You don't have any faith. Get out of here. And then when they were all gone, Jesus reached down and touched her hand. And the Bible says life flowed into her corpse. And the girl rose from the dead. She was sleeping in death until Jesus awakened her. And that is exactly what's going to happen one day when Jesus comes back. Millions upon millions and millions more. Think about it. All Christians for 20 plus centuries who have died in faith, whose souls are now with him, but their bodies are in a grave are going to be raised, it says, it will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. 
when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. I'm going to read that again. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. If you're still walking around when Jesus comes back, you're going to be caught up as well. You're going to be caught up by the power of God. And you're going to be transformed. The moment he catches you up, you get a brand new body that curves could never give you. No more working out. No more dieting. No more looking in the mirror and going, oh, when did that happen? None of that. No. You're going to be raised. You're going to be raised from the dead. We can go all through scripture and we can see where the Bible calls those who have died in, in faith in God as sleeping and not dead. We're told the first martyr of the church, Stephen, breathed his last. And as his persecutors stoned him, and the Bible says he fell asleep. When Paul the Apostle referred to King David in one of his sermons, he said, For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep. When Jesus' friend, Lazarus, you remember the story? Dead, four days and nights in a tomb. When Jesus was told he was sick and 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 was dying, Jesus was in another town. And he told his disciples these words, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. But now I will go and wake him up. Ooh, that's so powerful. Because every saint that dies in Jesus, Jesus says, One day I'm going to wake him up. One day I'm going to go and wake him up. I'm going to bring him up from the dead. He says, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and now I'm going to go wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he's sleeping, he will soon get better. They never did get it. They didn't get half of what Jesus said. And Jesus said, but they thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping. But Jesus meant Lazarus had died. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm going to go raise him from the dead. David Jeremiah, in his excellent book on heaven, points out that the Greek word here for sleep is the same word used in the Bible for somebody who checks into an inn overnight. Before getting up the next day to resume the journey, it's also the same word used for a dormitory. So in God's eyes, folks, let's think like God. In God's eyes, when a child of his dies, they go to sleep and they rest in a hotel. Awaiting the day of resurrection... When they will arise and continue their journey. Uh, just a little fact here that I thought was kind of neat. Our word cemetery is from a Greek word koimaterion. And it means sleeping place or dormitory. So for a Christian, a cemetery is simply a dormitory, an overnight hotel. Where our bodies sleep. Until awakened by Jesus on the resurrection day. And what a great day that's going to be. Amen. So stay with me at the time of death. Our bodies sleep in Jesus. Until awakened by him. When Jesus returns, our bodies are going to be resurrected. It says in a very short time, no longer than it takes for the eye to close and open. The Christians who have died will be raised. It will happen when the last horn sounds. The dead body will be raised, never to die again. Then the rest of us who are alive will be changed. 
And the Bible says at that moment of bodily resurrection, He will take our weak, mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like His own. Using the same power with which He will bring everything under His control. We're going to get a body like Jesus. Jesus would walk through locked doors and sit down and eat fish. Jesus would lift his hands up towards heaven and be carried up, defying gravity. We're going to get a body like the body of the resurrected Jesus. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more tears. No more joint aches. No more head aches. No more cancer. No more heart disease. No more rheumatoid arthritis. No more depression. No more mental illness. All of the scourges that have come upon mankind in the fall are going to be totally taken away. And we're going to get a brand new body. Can I say it? No more health insurance. You won't need it. So everybody say, when I die, my soul goes up. My body stays down, awaiting the resurrection. Now let's talk about the soul. Because when the body stays here and it's buried or whatever, the soul goes up. What happens to that soul? Because the soul goes up. When the body goes to sleep, when the glove dies and the soul leaves it, our souls are released into eternity. They don't wander the earth like some disembodied ghost. You know, we always see these shows where some poor ghost can't rest because until justice comes for the way they died. And so you'll have people realizing there's a ghost and saying, you know, we're going to do everything we can to make things right so you can finally rest. That's Hollywood hocus pocus. That's not true. No, when you die, your soul goes, according to Jesus, to one of two places. You do not wander the earth as a disembodied spirit. There are no ghosts. If you think you've got a ghost in your house, you might want to check out demons. Watch now. Jesus said, our soul goes to one of two places the moment that our body dies. He told the story of two men. A rich man and a poor man named Lazarus. The rich man, says Jesus, lived in luxury. He was clothed in purple and served only himself. Now, Jesus is not slamming. Jesus is not slamming that he had riches. He's slamming that he lived for his riches. He lived for things. He lived for stuff. That's what he was all about. And the Bible says that this man lived for himself. Life was all about him, not about God. And then there was the poor man, Lazarus. Listen how Jesus describes Lazarus. He was full of sores. He was laid at the rich man's gate. He was desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. This man was a homeless man. This man was covered in sores. The Bible says he had no money to get a doctor, and the only comfort that he had was dogs that licked his sores. He sat outside the rich man's gate, hoping for a crumb from the rich man, hoping that rich man would eat his fill and have leftovers and throw them his way. He couldn't function in life. He had no job. 
Whatever was causing the sores had ruined him. Now he's a beggar. And Jesus said, you got the rich man, the poor man, and they both died. And Jesus tells us what happened to their two souls. Now, I think this is one of the clearest explanations and descriptions of the reality of when we die, our souls go into eternity in the entire Bible. This is the red ink. I'm quoting Jesus here. Jesus said that the poor man, Lazarus, was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And Abraham's bosom was a New Testament term for heaven. The angels carried this poor man, Lazarus, into Abraham's bosom. When he breathed his last, he suffered no more. On the other hand, the rich man awakens in torment in Hades, hell. He awakens in hell. Jesus said that. Now, I'm here to talk about heaven, but i got to tell you, hell is as real as heaven. And Jesus taught more about hell than anybody in the Bible. Did you know that? Jesus taught more about hell than anybody in the Bible. And he said, for sure, that whoever did not believe on him would perish in an everlasting abyss. Jesus said that. The rich man, the the poor man is taken by angels into heaven, but the rich man awakens in torment in Hades. And he can see Abraham afar off, and he sees Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. That tells me when you're in hell. I think one of the things that will make hell hell is you'll be able to see what you missed. Because this this rich man is now in hell. And, And notice with me, everybody, he's fully conscious. He has total consciousness. He's not unconscious. And, and these people say, well, I don't, I'm not going to come to Jesus. Uh, when I go to hell, I'll just party with my party hardy friends and we'll just party down there. And you know what? If you've said that, you're a fool. You believed a foolish thing. Because notice, there's no party going on here. There's no party going on here. I want you to notice the clarity of Jesus' message about eternity. Two men's souls wind up in two different places when their bodies die, one in heaven, the other in hell. There's no fuzziness here. There's no lack of clarity. Jesus couldn't be more clear. These two men die. It is a study in two men. One of them, their soul goes straight into heaven. The other one, it goes straight into hell. Notice they reach their eternal destination immediately upon death. There is no wait time, there's no purgatory, there's no intermediary place. There's no purgatory to pay off your sins and hope to go on into heaven one day. That's not there. Jesus didn't teach that. Jesus shows that the moment they died, they went to their eternal destinations immediately. They're real souls. They're real selves. Immediately experience two different fates. One in heaven's glory, the other in hell's torment. And I want you to notice how Lazarus gets to heaven. I love this. Jesus says he's carried by the angels. Can you imagine this? That the minute this poor man covered in sores dies, his suffering is over, and and he's suddenly aware that angels have hold of him and are carrying him into glory. What a beautiful thing that must be. To have angels carry you into the presence of God. Yet the rich man awakens in hell. 
No angels are there at his death. No heavenly comforts attend him. He's completely alone. And notice also how the rich man got to hell. Abraham is pictured telling him this. Son, remember that in your lifetime, you know what that tells me? In hell you'll have a memory. You will remember things in hell. You won't be partying. That's so stupid. You're going to be remembering. Remembering. Abraham says, remember that in your lifetime. And Abraham takes him to his past. We're told he remembers his expensive home, his rich food, his high dollar clothing. He remembers his five brothers. And Jesus said he's concerned and burdened about his five brothers because they're still there and they have a chance to repent and not end up where he has. He remembers his lifestyle, his choices, his attitudes, the direction he took in life, the paths he walked down. He remembers all of that. He even remembers the beggar. And he recognizes Lazarus in Abraham's bosom, which makes me certain we will know people in heaven. We will recognize them because this rich man recognized Lazarus as the one who sat outside his gate and begged from him. He remembers Lazarus. Jesus' story reveals the eternal importance of decisions we make on this earth. Let me tell you what life is. Life is a camera flash. It's a blink sandwiched in between two eternities. Eternity past, eternity future. But it's that 70, 80, however many years you get. It's that time where you make decisions that have eternal repercussions. According to the Lord Jesus Christ, not Jeff Wickwire, according to the Lord Jesus Christ. You make decisions that have eternal ramifications, that reach out into eternity. And one of them is, what are you going to do with God? Abraham said, son, I want you to remember your life. You're here for a reason. I want you to remember your life. And we need to ask ourselves, do we live for God or do we live for ourselves? Do we accept the gospel of Christ to be saved or do we reject it to remain lost? I know this is... A, a, a hard word. But you know what? This is what you used to hear all the time from pulpits. This used to be normal preaching. People need to be warned. If I'm in a car and I'm going down a highway and somebody gets in front of me waving their hands, telling me to stop, and I stop and I say, why? They say, the bridge is out. Right up here, the bridge is out. And you would have gone straight into the river. I'll love them for stopping me. But, but if they just wave as I go by, be blessed. They didn't love me. They didn't love me. I, I'm doing this today. That if, that if you're not sure. See, I believe another thing that makes hell hell is you're going to vividly remember the times you heard the gospel. Those moments when the Holy Spirit uh, spoke to your heart. And knocked on the door of your heart. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. That's talking about the times when Jesus comes to our lives and knocks so that we will accept him. He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. And any man's who, man who opens the door, he's talking about salvation, opens the door. I will come into his life and feast with him and fellowship with him and he with me. So in hell, people are going to remember those knocks. Well, I was in Turning Point Church and I heard that guy that was sweating up on stage. 
I heard him share the gospel. See, you're never going to come here without hearing the gospel. I don't want your blood on my hands. I want to know I shared with you the truth. So hell is a place of misery and memory, of regret and remorse. But then there is heaven. Everybody say, whoosh, there's heaven. And, and heaven is the antithesis of hell. It is the opposite of hell. Where hell is torment and sorrow and regret and remorse. Heaven is bliss and joy and unending happiness in the presence of the Lord. And, and listen, I'm going to say it again. Absent from the body, if you're a believer, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Immediately. Immediately. And let me tell you what's going to make heaven heaven. Hell, what makes hell hell is your memory, your consciousness, realizing what you miss. But what makes heaven heaven is who's going to be there. And, and, and let me tell you who's going to be there right off the bat. The first one we're going to see is our Lord and Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God who died for us and rose from the dead so that we could be saved. We're going to finally look in the eyes of the one who gave his life for us. We're going to hold him. We're going to cast our crowns at his feet. We're going to worship him uh, eon upon eons of time. We're going to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. The greatest thing about heaven is going to be Jesus is there. Jesus said, let me tell you what heaven is like. It's where I am. John 14, 3. He told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. It says when he returns, we'll be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air and we'll always be with the Lord. The Bible says in heaven, we're going to live together with him. In his high priestly prayer, he prayed for you and me and all saints to ever believe in him. He said, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. We're going to be with Jesus. And God is going to wipe away every tear. And there will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There will be no more pain, for all those things have passed away. Can we stand together today? I want you to say with me, when my body dies, the soul goes up, the body stays down, awaiting the resurrection. Say one more time, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen, amen. I want to tell you, this truth kept me sane in the last year. When I lost Kathy and I will never forget when she was near her time, we were talking and I said, you gotta, you have to talk about this. But I said, where do you want to be laid? And she said, I don't care. I know where I'm going. Now I was right there. When she breathed her last. And I knew the Bible. And I knew. Last breath. She was instantly. In the presence of the Lord. 
I believe it with all my being. And her body now is at Greenwood. But one day, it's coming out. It's coming out. And so, and everybody who's put their faith in Jesus, can we just lift our hands to a mighty Savior? Say with me, Lord, thank you for the blessed hope. For a future resurrection. And I don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Thank you, Lord. Now with your heads bowed a moment, let me just ask. If you're here today and say, Jeff, I'm not sure if I'm saved. I'm just not sure. I've got a question mark that kind of rattles around the back of my mind, comes to me every once in a while, I wonder. Or you may just flatten, no, you're not saved. And you need Jesus in your life. Listen, friend, I wouldn't get out, I wouldn't leave the parking lot, get on that highway until I was sure that I have that reservation in heaven. Because eternity's real. So is heaven and so is hell. So I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And if you want to just settle the question and let Jesus into your life, he's knocking right now. He's knocking right now. He's knocking right now. Bow with me and pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus. Go ahead. You can do it. He's listening to you. Say, Lord Jesus. I believe you died for me and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Forgive me of my sins, Lord, and come into my heart as Savior and Lord. I trust you to save me right now. In Jesus' name.